talking about the attributes of God, the doctrines of God. And it's very important that you understand this, because if you understand this, when you hear wrong doctrine, you'll know it. It's very important that you know doctrine. Doctrine is the foundation of what we believe. For instance, if you take the deity of Christ out, then we don't have a Savior, and then we don't have revelation because he died and he rose again. If you take the, the virgin birth, then he's not God. We've got to know all these different things. And so we're looking at the doctrine of God today, and we're going to talk about transcendent attributes of God. That basically means be, going beyond ordinary limits, surpassing and exceeding. Take your notes. The thing, the thing that scares me about giving notes is you go, okay, we only have four more points and we're done, okay? I know none of you do that, but don't do that, okay? There's a lot of information on here, and we're going to look at five aspects of, uh, of God, and I want you to see these. Um, when you look at the, what it means, these attributes, it's meaning to operate outside and beyond the limits of ordinary experiences. If you try to put God in a box, you can't do it. You can't do it. He's, he's bigger than any box you'll ever see. And when you try to figure out one aspect of them, you lose the other aspect, and we're going to look at some of these. These attributes reveal the magnitude of God's being. These are the five most important ones, I think, when we look at them. But these are, these are um, exceeding but what we can understand. The first one is eternity. If you write number one, eternity. And as you study this, you'll, you'll realize God's nature is without beginning or end and is not subject to the laws of time. He's not subject to those laws. And so that, that's who he is. And there's some verses in here I want you to see. It says in 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 8. I wrote these so you'd have them so you, could, so you could look at them later. It says, 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 8, it says, But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. This shows you that he's not held by time. And so eternity, Psalms 90, verses 2 and 2 through 4. Psalms 90, verses 2 through 4 says this, Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art what? God. Thou turnest man to destruction and sayest, Return ye children of men, for a thousand years in his sight are but as yesterday when it is past. And as a watch in the night. Here's talking about a thousand years again. It's like one day to him. So we've got to see eternity is very important with this. God does not have, live in a dimension of time. You understand that? He does not live in a dimension of time. We do, and so we put him in that box, and that's not where he is. You know, I, I, I've explained this before. I understand eternity future. I have a hard time eternity past. But God said it, and it's true. And so we've got to understand this, that he, he can interact with any point in time he chooses. God encompasses time. You say, why are we going into this? Because we need to know what, who God is. Time does not exist in the divine dimension. God never gets older because of that. He's still the same. God never gets over. We live in an age of speed, don't we? Everything goes faster. How many of you, as you get older, you think, man, time goes faster? When you think about it, what's, what's today? January 20th. We're more than, we're two-thirds of the way through January. I remember when it used to go so slow. I think when I was in high school and junior high, I was like, oh, my word, will this ever get over? My geography class, my history class, 
I loved math class, but those English classes, they were terrible for me. You know, and if you study English, we have more exceptions than we do rules. Amen? And so as you get in this, you know, time doesn't go any faster. We think it does, but it does not. You need to live your life for God today, and tomorrow you'll not wish that you could do it over again. You ever thought, man, if I could just do a retake on that. You know, I'm thankful for the kids that we have. Would I want more? I wouldn't have minded to have more, but I'm glad for the ones we have, and I'm glad for the time we spent with them. We've got to understand that God has eternity in Him. God's nature is without beginning or end and is not subject to the law of time. I want you to look at James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 14. James chapter 4, verse 14 says, Whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time, and then vanisheth away. See, God, God's, God's timing, it, it, it's, it's not like ours. Ours is a short time. What's the Bible say? Three scores and ten. Seventy years. Some of us have surpassed that. Some of us are getting close to it. It's hard for me to believe that as I look at my mother-in-law and my father-in-law, they're all turning 70 this year. My dad is 86 years old. I've got a sister that's 70. I've got a brother-in-law that's 60 this year. And you go, I can remember when my brother-in-law was telling the Sunday school classes, I can remember him when I used to work for him when he was in his 30s and 40s. And now he's that old. Man, time flies by fast. Don't go back and go, man, I wish I could do something. Live for the Lord now because your life is a vapor. How many of you had the privilege of ever having a tea kettle when you were at your house? I remember we'd have kids over and we'd, we'd put that tea kettle on. And what is that sound? You know, that, what is that sound? And you'd hear it whistling when it got hot. And you'd go in there and you'd look and there'd be a vapor coming up that thing. And if you put your hand over the top of it, what would it do? It'd burn you. But you could put your hand up here because it would vanish away after a while. That's what our life is. But with God, eternity is always there and always will be. Now the next one is this, immensity. I-M-M-E-N-S-I-T-Y. Immensity is infinite, infinite as it relates to space. It's infinity as it relates to space. God is not subject to the laws of time. God is not subject to the laws of space either. See, we take up a certain amount of space, don't we? I don't want to take up as much space as I'm taking up. Trying to get a new life insurance policy, and now I have to lose six pounds. What is going on with that? And I gave myself two weeks. My wife said, you need to push that back a little bit, all right? So i got to push it back a little bit maybe four years or something like that. Man, we, we, are, we are confined to a certain type of space. Listen to this statement. God is bigger than space. And some of these things I'm telling you, we know, but sometimes we don't think it all the way through. God is bigger than space. I, I, I read an article and, it said, and, and this man wrote, his name is Emery Bankoff. He wrote, it is more correct to say that space is within God then God is within space. Because space is within God. He, he, takes, he, he forms everything. He is everything. Um, we've got to see that. Psalm 139.6. Psalm 139.6 says this, Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. I don't understand it, but it's there. There's a lot of things you and I don't understand. 
What do we have to have to breathe? What, what do we need? We need air and what is specifically oxygen. What do we give off when we breathe? What do trees need? What do they give off? You tell me God's not a great God. Amen. I've never, I've looked at, we have two trees in our new house. I've been watching them to see where they breathe. I don't know where they breathe, but they breathe somewhere because God said it. Amen. It's there. God made it. And so when we look at it, we've got to see these things. We can't put God in this box. He's bigger than anything. So He's bigger than your problem. He's bigger than your victory. He's always there. In infinity. You know, that Toy Story took that to infinity and beyond, and they, and, they, and they ran with that. But God is bigger than that. He's, he, he's, not cons, he's not confined to a space. He's not confined to time. Isn't that great to know that God's like that? Because when I look and I, and I think of these other people that worship gods and, and, and they, they, I think of Buddha, how they, they rub his belly and they see him and, and they think, I, I wouldn't want to worship something like that. He's confined to a space. People worship things all the time. And we say, well, how can you believe this? There's a lot of things I don't understand, but I know it works. Air, I don't understand it, but it works. If you have lack of air, guess what? You're not going to survive. If you have lack of water, you're not going to survive. I don't understand a lot. I know when I flip a light switch on, the light better come on. If not, I'm calling somebody. I've had Alan, I'll call Alan and say, Alan, can you fix this for me? And he'll come over and say, you know, you just the problem is your light bulbs burn out. Oh, okay, I didn't know that. All right, so I'll just switch the light bulb. I don't understand everything. I don't understand how an engine works. I don't understand how a lot of things, but I know when I put that key in that car and I turn it, it better work or I'm calling a mechanic. We've got to, we've got to look at this and not put God in this box. These last three are very important to me as we look at these. The next one is omnipresent. God is omnipresent. How many of you believe that? I believe it. And I'm going to give you verses that will show you that He's omnipresent. God is what? Everywhere at all times. Watch this. <laughs> all of Him is everywhere at the same time. God cannot leave one place and go to another. You ever thought about that? He, Jeff Renfro, he cannot go from one place to another. He can't say, I'm going over so-and-so. He can't do that. He's already there. You say, why is that important? Because when you go through problems, you want him to be with you. Can you say that about Satan? No. Satan is held to a space. He can only be at one place. And he can move around and he has demons, of course, that work for him, but he can't do what God does. God is all-powerful. God is everywhere at the same time. Look at some of these verses. It says in Psalm 139, Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. Psalm 139, verses 7 through 10. Whether shall I go from thy spirit? Question mark. Or whether shall I flee from thy presence? Question mark. If I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. Praise God for that. 
If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me and thy right hand shall hold me. Isn't that great to know? He's always there. He's everywhere. That's why when you read Jonah and he says he's fleeing from the presence of the Lord, he could never have done that. He's one of our minor prophets and he says that twice, that he goes and he leaves and he's going to flee from the Lord. He can't do that. Jeremiah chapter 23. You're taking your notes to Jeremiah chapter 23. 23 through 24. It says this, it says, Am I a God at hand, saith the Lord, and not a God afar off? Can any hide himself in a secret place that I shall not see him? Saith the Lord, do not I fill heaven and the earth, saith the Lord? Got this written, it is impossible, as, as impossible as it may sound, in terms of time, God is everywhere at, one, at once, throughout all eternity, all at the same time. That's an incredible statement to make. Now let me read it one more time. It's not in your notes. It says this. Impossible as it may sound in terms of time, God is everywhere at once throughout all eternity all at the same time. He's not limited to time and space. He is, he, he can be, he's everywhere and that's what the Bible says about it. Um, it also says in, in Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 5. Let your conversation be without covetousness and be content with such things as ye have. For he, said, he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. This is what's important to, to, to a Christian. That he says he'll never leave you nor forsake you. He is everywhere at all times. He's in your lowest point. He's in your highest point. He's right in the middle with you. When you, hit, when you have relatives say, hey, I've got this situation. Can you pray for me? I've got to go to surgery. He knows that already. You say, why is that important? Because it's an attribute of God. Would you want a God that didn't know everything? Would you want a God that couldn't create anything? Man, I love my God and I'm so thankful for Him. And as you, as you look at these, you see just one thing after another, after another. When it, when it talks about omnipresent, this gives depth to this verse. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. He's never going to leave you. He, he can't go from one place to another. He's always there. That's important when it comes to being a Christian. He was there and he knew what was going to happen. He knew what was going to happen to my mother. He knew what was going to happen to my father. He knew what was going to happen to my brother. He knew what was going to happen to my sisters. He knows all these things. Because he's everywhere. We can't run from him. I've always said this. There's three types of people on this earth. You know what they are? There's the unsaved. They have no direction. They have no Holy Spirit indwelling them and telling them what to do. They, have, they don't have that. And then there's a Christian. You say, well, that's only, that's only two. Now, there's two types of Christians. There's ones that are doing right, and there's ones that are doing wrong. There's one that are following the Holy Spirit and understand that God is everywhere at all times. And then there's the other one that doesn't really care, and they do whatever they want. I want to say this to you. You know the most miserable person in the world? It's not the, the non-Christian because they don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. It is the, it's the saved that are not doing what's right because they are directed to do something and they're not doing it. 
Don't you just love it when you're on your GPS and it says recalculating, recalculating, recalculating? Or you always know a faster way. And so your whole, your whole thing is always trying to get you to go a different direction. Or maybe you've got an old GPS and you're following a road that's a new road. I've done that before and it shows my little car in a cornfield. Get back on the road. Get back on the road. When you are in that state, you're miserable when you're not following what God wants for you. God has a plan for you and He's everywhere at all times. So we've got to understand that. God is always there for us. His care is always there for us. That's why He'll never leave you or forsake you is a great verse. Not only that, not part, he's, <clears throat> no part of this world or universe is out of His control. News things circulate. The space circulates. I think there's a, is there a red, what is it, a red moon that's coming right around the corner? I think it might be tonight. There's a red moon coming. And if you read up on that, there's usually bad things that happen when that, when that happens. And it's the end of the world. There's a meteor going hit, to hit the world. Uh, there's no meteor that's going to hit this world unless God lets it. Either you believe that or you don't. You show faith all the time. I'm always concerned when I'm driving down a two-lane two road with, opposite, with traffic going the other direction. And there's, that's, a, that's a, time, a lot of times when I spend a lot of time praying. I'm not praying for me being alert. I'm praying for them being alert. But God is always in control. Can you imagine if we just got up and we thought, okay, what's going to happen to the world? God's, God's not there. He's, the meteors are hitting everywhere. The world's coming to an end. What are we going to do? It's never going to be like that in our lifetime. God knows exactly what's going on. He is everywhere at all times. And that's a wonderful thing. He's omnipresent. Let's go to the next one. Not only is He omnipresent, He's omniscient. O-M-N-I-S-C-I-E-N-C-E. -E. God knows everything. When I go to those escape rooms, if I just look around, I get overwhelmed. Because I don't know which combination unlocks which one. God could come in and boom. Because he knows everything. The Bible says what? That he knows the hairs on your head. Hello? You say, well, I'm going to pull two or three out. You know what? He'll take two or three out. He knows. He knows exactly everything about you. He could take... He could take Thomas and draw something in the ground and say, that's what your fingerprint looks like because he knows your fingerprint. Isn't it amazing how God made us? So many different aspects of us. And, and, and I think, why did God make us with fingerprints? Because he knew we were a bunch of thieves, amen? Where would the police officers be without fingerprints? When I went through BLET, I'd never understood this. They said, when you go up to a car, you put your hand on the car. Now, when I watch the TV shows, they do it. You know why they do that? So they got their fingerprints on your car. When you drive away, when they come up to your window, they know they've been at your car. Well, I'm just going to wipe my car down when I get back. You can try that, but they've got your license plate number two. Man, God knows everything about you. He knows what you're going to do tomorrow. Can you tell me what you're going to eat tomorrow? God can. Have you ever thought about that? 
He can tell you what you're going to eat. How many of you know what you're going to wear tomorrow? Everybody, anybody know that? I mean, if you wear the same outfit, I understand that. But if, you're, if you don't, do you know what you're going to wear tomorrow? Do you know what you're going to wear a month from today? Do you know where you're going to be? Do you know when you're going to have your next headache? Do you know when you're going to have the next toothache? Do you know when you're going to have your cavity? Which tooth it's going to be in? You say, why are you saying all these? Because God knows everything. I love the story of Moses. He is confined. He's got all the Israelites with him. He's confined to a space, and God tells him to move forward. He can't move to the left. He can't move to the right. can't go back because there comes Pharaoh. The only thing in front of him is, that river, is, is, a, is, a, is a body of water. And so he, he hits the water, and boom, it separates. God knew already what he was going to do. And the thing that Moses didn't understand is the thing that got him across was the thing that was going to destroy Pharaoh. Man, he knew everything. He can do whatever he wants. <laughs> How many of you have animals at your house? Raise your hand. Anybody got donkeys in here? We got a donkey? Okay, Emily, this is what I want you to do. I want both of you to walk up to your donkey and start talking and see if it talks back to you. Would you ever do that? <laughs> Emily's looking down like, I don't think I'd ever do that. I'll try it, but I'm not going to tell anybody. All right. Maybe she already tries it. My next question to you, does he talk back? You realize God used a donkey in the Bible to talk to him? Talk to a man? He used a bush to talk to a man. Do you know of anybody that can stop the sun? God can. He did it in the Bible. I remember my mom reading me a story. It was, scientists were writing it, and they were trying to figure out how old the earth is and they were trying to figure out how many days from such and such. And they realized that there was a day missing in their calculations. You know where that day was? It's found in the Bible in a battle. What happens? Please stop, so we, please stop the sun from going down so that we can go out and keep fighting the battle. I'm telling you, we serve a great God. He, he is all-knowing. He knows what to do with everything. Go to this, Romans chapter 3 and verse 4. God forbid, yea, let God be true and every man a liar. Aren't you thankful that God is true? Man always tries to contradict um, God. And God always proves him wrong. Psalm 33, verse 13 through 15. It says, Psalm 33, verses 13 through 15, and I wrote these so you could look them up later. It says, The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike, he considereth all their works. God knows what's behind you, and God knows what's in front of you. That's why you need to ask God for guidance. If you truly believe God knows everything, then why don't we ask him more? Because you know what we do? We try to figure it out ourselves. You ever lost something? And you're trying to find it? I, I, the, she had a, a grandmother that she would start, she'd just start praying, Lord, just show me where it's at. And I thought, why is she doing that? Just help us look. Well, she's asking the person that knew, the, the, the being that knew where it was. I had no idea. We've got to get back to understanding that God knows everything. Go to this verse, it says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. 
Be ye therefore like unto him, for your father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. That is Matthew chapter 6, verse 8. Then why do we have to ask him? Because he wants to hear our voice. He wants to hear our plea. I remember I, I, my, to drive my sister crazy, she was three years older than me. I was, I was a freshman in high school, and she was a senior in high school. I would wear certain clothes just to drive her crazy because she was always concerned about what her brother looked like. So I would go to school with my, with my pants up a little bit higher. And I remember she'd walk up and go, don't you ever wear those again. And, and I would wear them just to drive her crazy. You ever done something like that? And as you, as you look at these things in your life, God knows exactly where you are. He knows everything. He knows what you need. But when your kids have these clothes that don't fit, do you know it? Absolutely you know it. But when they walk up to you and say, can I have some new clothes? My pants don't fit me right. Or my shirt's too small. Can you help me with that? Guess what? You already knew it. But when they ask, you're more prone to do something about it. Oh, you'll be all right. There's high water coming in. You'll be fine. So we've got to look and we've got to see that God knows everything. We need to ask Him. Even though He knows everything, He still wants to hear our voice. Proverbs 3, and we know these, Proverbs 3, 5, and 5 through 8. Proverbs 3, 5 through 8 say, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, lean not to thine own understanding. In all thy ways, in all thy ways, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. Be not wise, now this is the one part I want to, be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. He shall be health to thy navel and morrow to thy bones. We've got to get back and understand that if we truly believe that God is everywhere and God knows everything, that we've got to rely on Him. I wonder how many times God looks back and goes, I wish they'd just ask. I wish they'd just search. Search the Scriptures for what they need to do. The last verse in this section is Romans 12, 2. It says this, it says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants you to do His perfect will. And since He is everywhere at all times and He knows everything, don't you think He wants you to do that? I was reading an article, and I wanted to just read this to you. It's, past, it's the old preacher, historical preacher, George Mueller. He gives us insight into determining God's will. Sometimes we don't know how to do God's will. And he had these things to suggest for us as a directive. Now, here's what he wrote. He says, I seek in the beginning to get my heart into such a state that it has no will of its own to a given matter. Nine-tenths of the trouble with people is just there. Nine-tenths of the difficulties are overcome when our hearts are ready to do the Lord's will, whatever it may be. When one is in this state, it is but a little way to the knowledge of what his will is. Now watch this. Having done this, I do not leave the result to feeling or simple impressions. Because we have our own opinion, correct? He says, I'm not going to do that. If I do, I leave myself open to great delusion. So he, and then he says this, I seek the will of the Spirit of God through or in connection with the Word of God. In other words, I'm not going to do anything that the Bible doesn't tell me that I can do. Then he says this, The Spirit and the Word must be combined. 
If I look to the Spirit alone, without the Word, I lay myself open to great delusion also. And let me insert this. Because if you don't back it up with the Word of God and you back it up on the Holy Spirit, sometimes the flesh intervenes. Then he says this, he says, if, I, if the Holy Ghost guides us at all, He will do it according to the Scriptures and never contrary to it. The Holy Spirit can't do anything that is not in that, in that Scripture. He's going to follow it to a T. Then he says this, he says, next I take into account providential circumstances. These often plainly indicate God's will in connection with the Word and the Spirit. I ask God to reveal His will to me aright. And this is his last statement. Thus, through prayer to God, the study of the Word, and reflection, I come to a deliberate judgment according to the best of my ability and knowledge. And if my mind is thus at peace and continues, so after two or three more petitions, I proceed accordingly. So what he's saying is, he's going to listen to the Holy Spirit that indwells him. He's going to look at the Scripture before he makes a decision. Because we already have established that, yes, God knows everything and God is everywhere. And so he's not going to go contrary to what the Bible says or what the Holy Spirit says before he makes a decision. How many times have we ever made a decision and we've not really thought it through? You ever been there? You, you listen to the radio, you'll see these people that have the vacations that they pay for and they pay for and they pay for. And if you've got one, that's fine. But there's some people that can't afford them and they get them. And they keep paying for them and paying for them and they'll increase and they'll increase and you have no say over them. Sometimes we look at, we get truck fever, amen? I gotta have a truck, man. And so I'm gonna have a truck. I know it costs more than my house payment, but it's gonna be a fun truck, amen? Sometimes we make irrational decisions, not based on God's word. We've got to go back with what the Holy Spirit, we've got to look at these, these aspects of God. He's everywhere at all times. He, he knows everything. And the last one, omnipotent. God is all-powerful. God knows everything, but having the power to do something about it, it brings it to a light of God's power. See, you might, you might think you know everything, and you might think you can be everything to everybody, but that's just not true. God can, and He's all-powerful. God can do anything that is consistent with His nature and what He desires to do. We read this morning when, when Abram's talking to God, he got it to 50 and then he gets it all the way down to 10. Why is that? Because God has the ability through God's man to change his, his perspective of what he was going to do. I think God knew that there probably wasn't 10 people there that were going to be righteous, correct? And he was still going to fulfill what he did, but Abram, Abraham needed to see it. I mean, he can stop the sun as we've talked. He can make a donkey talk. He can stop the mouths of lions. But then when you go back and you study the Romans, he can open the mouths of lions too. Many Christians were martyred that way. I don't know why God does what he does. Sometimes I look at my life and go, why did you let this happen? Why is this going on? Why, why are my children in this situation? My girls, why are they suffering? Why is their family going through this? I don't know, but God does. He is all-powerful. Um, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23. 
but foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. I've heard some of it. I've been to these um, ordinations where they ask questions that you can't answer. And they're just trying to stump the guy that's doing that. I think that's ridiculous. Ask them questions that are pertinent to what they believe. I've heard people say, can God make a rock that he can't pick up? What does that have? No, he can't. He, he can pick up any rock that he creates. There's just some questions people ask and they're, they're dumb question. I don't care which came first, the egg or the chicken. I don't care if Adam and Eve had a belly button. I don't care. Some of these questions that people ask just don't make any sense. And it says here, it says, listen, stay away from those questions. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid. It says in Genesis chapter 17 and verse 1. And when Abram was 90 years old and nine, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect. Let's turn to Genesis chapter 18. Genesis chapter 18, and we're almost done. I want to look at these verses real quick. Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 through 14, as we, as we go through these. Genesis chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. And it says, And he said unto him, Where is Sarah thy wife? And he said, Behold, in the tent. And he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And so Sarah thy wife shall have a son. And Sarah, Sarah heard it, at the tent door, which was behind him. Now Abram and Sarah were old and well stricken in age, and it ceased to be with Sarah after the manner of women. Therefore Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being, being old also. And the Lord said unto Abraham, Wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I of, of surety bear a child which am old? Now watch this. Is anything too hard for the Lord? At the time appointed, I will return unto thee according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. I don't understand it, but God did it. The only time we get in trouble is when we think we know more than God. And didn't Abraham do that? And Sarah helped him through it. Brings a girl by the name of Hagar, and we're still battling over a mistake that the man of God did. So we've got to understand that God loves us. Everything God does is centered in His purpose, plan, and pleasure. Let me read that one more time. Everything God does is centered in His purpose, plan, and pleasure. Nothing God does is pointless. Have you ever done something you go, that's just pointless. That's pointless. In North Carolina, when you get your car tags, oh my word, you have to pay a tax on your vehicle. You have to get your car inspected. Then you, have to get, then you have to go get the tags for your car. And you'll go to one property and they'll say, you have to do this first. You'll go to another and they'll say, you got to do this first. And it was getting where I was just going to three different places and I had no idea what I was supposed to be doing. I said, they told me to come over here. Well, you don't do it this way, you do it that way. And when I got done, I looked at this, thing, this whole situation and said, this is pointless. This is pointless. One time I had a car that wouldn't go in reverse. And I was out of town. My mother was, was, was sick up there. And, and I called a guy in our church and I said, listen, I've got a car that won't go in reverse. You've got to find a car inspection that will only go forward. 
He came back when I got back. He goes, you don't realize, Pastor, how hard that was. We had an older car, and, and so he put, it, he put it in reverse, and the back light would come on. So it looked like it was going in reverse, but it would not go in reverse. Then he put it back in drive, and it took off. He said, I had to drive all over town to find this place. He made this thing. He said, these inspections are pointless. Your car won't even go reverse, and it passed the, passed the course. We've got to realize that God doesn't do anything that's pointless. And he's always consistent with his will and his word. You say, why is that important? Because this is very precious to him. He's not going to go contrary to this. The Holy Spirit indwelling in me is not going to go contrary to this. God the Creator is not going to go contrary to this. Jesus never went contrary to this. In fact, he was always quoting it. Referring back to what it, what, it, what it said. So we look at these things and the last three, God is everywhere at the same time. Do you believe that? Say amen. amen. Ah, that wasn't enough. Do you believe God is everywhere at the same time? Amen. Do you believe that God knows everything? Amen. Do you believe God is all powerful? Amen. Then why so much do we doubt what he, what he does for us? You know, in us, there's a lot of lot. We're a lot like him. There's a lot of Jonah in us. We try, we, sometimes we're like Lot, sometimes we're like Jonah. But praise God, we have the capability of being, being like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We have the capability of being Daniel. We have the capability of having faith like Noah. But we got to realize how big our God is. You can't put God in a box. I hope you've enjoyed understanding who God is and what God is, but can I say this even further? He is much bigger and much stronger and much more complex than what I've even told you because you'll never understand Him until we get to heaven. And thank God for that. I want a God that's bigger than me. I want a God that's bigger than this world. If, if I can confine Him into that box, He's no longer a God. My dad said one time he was in the military, they shut down the airport, I think it was in Saudi Arabia. And they shut down the runway. No, it was in Morocco. They shut it down. You know why? Because they brought a tooth from Buddha in a concealed package and they shut everything down. I'm thankful that my God has not stopped an airplane down because he has a tooth that's missing. My God is bigger than that. Your God is bigger than that. We've got to thank him for what he is.